Welcome to the Recruitment Roundup with Toby and Nazia of Harrington Star. This is our one podcast a week where we talk about us and our passion for great recruitment. Five days a week, we shine a light on the individuals making waves in the world of fintech. And on a Sunday, we bring you the Recruitment Roundup. Now, today we have decided to talk about another one of the Harrington Star values and one that is really, really close to my heart. And that is execution. This is a fundamental layer of our business because after all, what is strategy? What is planning? What is talk if you can't execute? What is talk without the walk? I'm gonna hand over to you, Toby, because I want you to start by telling us your take on this theme of execution. Thanks, Nads, first and foremost. Secondly, I think this is one of the, the core values and it comes back to why it became a value of ours. You know, the ancient art of getting shit done effectively is execution. And this, I think, is you know, from everyone who I've spoken to, from every business I've looked at, everyone I've had on the show, they are masters of execution. And why we wanted it in our business as a core value was there are so many people who talk the game and, and then fail to live up to it, give big hopes and interview and fail then to, to put it into action afterwards. I've got something in front of me here from an event I went to this week with a, a notebook. I'm showing it to you here, Nads, because I think you'll like it. I'm, I've got it here to give to you directly. But it's a journal which says, based on the front of it, be known for what you do, not what you plan to do. And I think that's so important. Again, at this time of year, we're speaking in January. We're looking ahead for the year. This is a stage where people's resolutions have either dropped off or are being stuck to at the moment. And resolutions at the start of the year are all about, you know, saying, I'm going to change, I'm going to be this, new year, new me, etc., etc. And people talk good games about this year's my year, etc., etc. But then they fail to put execution in place behind it. And I think it's so important in life you know, to walk the talk, which is topical with everything you're writing about and putting out there at the moment. But that ability to execute, I think, is fundamental. I think when we're looking at all of the companies out there who are, who are looking at customer problems, it's their ability to execute on strategy that, that becomes really, really significant. So we've spoken to, you know, combined over the last couple of years, 400 different people on our podcast, you know, r- roughly give or take. A lot of different people, a lot of very hyper successful companies. We've heard stories of extreme growth. We've heard stories of companies who've got things wrong and then got them right. We've heard companies of startups who've then you know, taken the mantle and really driven further forward. The common and, and overriding and overarching theme between all of that is their ability to execute on the strategy they put in place. So when we're sat there at the start of this year and we're saying, this is what we want to do, this is where we want to go, this is how we want to, to win, it's putting that strategy into play and executing it around what's our growth goal and what does real success look like in 2022? And once you've got that, what are the commitments needed to get to that sort of stage? Where are we going to go? What are our products and services? What are the new services and product lines that we can put into play? What's our competitive advantage today? What competitive advantage is going to be needed moving further forward? How do we look at what capabilities we need to, to do that? What systems are required to enhance that? And what's a strategic implementation plan, which basically means we need to do this by now and by this sort of time to be on, on track with it. I heard, listened to a speaker at this, uh, this event I was at this week, which sort of brings this into, into context when he is someone who's just sold a business for over hundred million pounds. And he talked about his journey over 17 years to get to that sort of stage and everything that was, was in it. And one of the things I took away was the discipline of having a plan on a page. And it's so simple, right? Sitting there with your strategy at the start of the year. And he said the five years, which really took us into, into action of where we wanted to be into the scoring zone of building a business. that was a nice, good business into one that moved the needle significantly and changed his life forever 
was about the discipline of having a plan in the page and then making sure you go through that plan and look at every single month, what have we achieved and what haven't we achieved within that and moving it through the course of that month. That execution is vital, whether it was you executing on your day plan on a, every, on a, on a singular day, whether it was you executing on the promises you make to your team and to your staff, whether it's you executing on the promises you make to your, your boss and your leadership. To me, what signifies success, what signifies high performance are people there who are able to execute and execute consistently. What's your take on it, Nadia? So I've been looking at this very much from a growth strategy point of view this week and helping people understand what are the things that they must consider to be able to grow. So we all know right now in the financial technology industry, the growth plans are huge and super, super exciting. But what we're hearing day in, day out is that it's proving to be more of a challenge than originally first thought of. So, you know, very much my role is to partner with people to allow their strategy to turn into reality and that execution to happen. And the really interesting thing is that there's a lot of things to consider. And this is what I really want to be talking about in today's pod, because I want people to be able to walk away from today and either be able to answer some of the questions I'm going to share with you or have a consideration about some of the key topics that I'm going to bring up today. So what I wanted to start with is actually when it comes to businesses and their talent strategy and executing their growth plans, what actually are the big questions that they need to answer? And look, this is what I've been talking to people about for months now, but I thought if I had to boil it down, where would those questions start? Now, really basic, what actually is your talent strategy and can you clearly define it? How do you stand out? Who are your competition? And where would you rank against your competition? And I want people to be thinking, you know, when you are looking to attract talent, when you are looking to retain the people in your business, when you are thinking about how you can invest in those people within your business, these are the things that we've got to consider. What does competitive mean to you? What does it mean to your people? And the reason why I've used the word competitive is because I'm hearing a lot, oh yes, we'll offer a competitive package. But actually, the package and the money isn't everything to everybody. So what, what actually is a competitive offering to, to our people? What did they want? Will they stay? What are they motivated by? Can you give that to them? Are you communicating this well in your process? Is your process enjoyable? Is it challenging? Is it reflective of your business? So there's a lot of questions there, but I, it's a bit of a stream of questions because I'd love it for anyone listening to this, whichever two, three questions stood out for you, that's what you've got to take away and that's what you've got to think about within your business so that you can execute your talent attraction strategy, so you can execute your growth strategy. So therefore, you'll be able to move into what actually is your people strategy? What is that investment strategy? And I can go on and on into the details of that, but before I go further forward, what are your thoughts and your considerations on those questions, Toby? This is so critical, isn't it? This is so critical to executing your talent strategy. And this is, you know, this is a big part of what we're looking at internally as well at the moment in a classic case of sort of cobbler shoes. Our growth this year is said out to be spectacular. We've brought in you know, someone to really help drive that, someone who we know and love, who's been with the business before. And, and, and their purpose within the business is to make sure we've got the talent, engage with the agencies to make sure we've got a constant stream of, of world-class talent coming into the business to help deliver to the demand and execute on the demand of our customers. And I think those things are really important because there's a hubris around every business. This is the business that people should join. Uh, why wouldn't people join our, our company? But 
quite frankly, at the moment, the competition is fiercer than it's ever going to be. And that's not changing quickly. You know, we're not going to say, right, let's, let's wait till April and then all of a sudden it's going to be easier to bring talent into the business again. This is going to be a long lasting skill shortage in a high growth, high demand area that requires people to be absolutely up on point with their thoughts about how they're going to execute their talent strategies. And that consultation that you talk about is really important. It's important to listen. And this is where we want to evolve and grow into you know, talent partners as opposed to just bums on seats merchants putting people into companies. We're looking at things here where we're looking to deliver and deliver consistently on execution uh, and allow people to develop their own strategies to be able to hit their expectations, to hit their, their goals, to hit their ambitions and to be the company who they want them to be. But it needs to have that plan. It needs to have that plan executed and it needs constant supervision about what's going on and how people develop further forward as well. Yeah, I'm, I totally agree with that. And I think it really is exactly what you said there, that it'll be unique for every different organisation because this is all encompassing. And if we truly want to grow this industry at the rate that we want to, we have to really understand what our unique offerings are within each and every one of the firms. And that, that is going to be different because the environment's different, the people are different, the culture's different. But actually, what can we do to have that competitive edge? And, and more importantly, can that be explained clearly within any interview process so you can execute on your talent attraction strategies? Now, for me and the conversations I've had this week, it's been actually a lot around can you explain your people strategy and are you executing on that people strategy now a lot of the things that people have been talking about and the winners in this space have been talking about i wanted to share so the winners i think are talking about talent investment and they're talking about this even at their interview processes how they are investing in the potential of their people that could join them they're talking about training they're talking about career progression they're talking about bleeding edge or cutting edge technologies. Now, even the businesses that aren't talking about cutting edge technologies, it's one in particular for the techies out there of you that's still talking about wind forms. But you know what? They have so much other stuff going on around their wind forms technologies that even the hottest techies are saying, do you know what? I take that on because actually I can learn all of this on the front end alongside of that, which is really interesting. The winners are talking about autonomy. They're talking about ownership. They're giving flexibility. They're talking about parental support. They're talking about support to people from all walks of life. They're talking about psychological safety. I could go on and on, but anyone sitting here listening to this will feel like, whoa, you know, these people's strategies, they're so all encompassing. There's so much to take on with it. And actually that's the, that's the real crux of it. And that's why I've been going into companies and not just talking to them about how we can attract talent that hasn't been reached ever before or how we can help them visualize and have visibility of people they haven't previously seen in interview processes. It's actually about securing those people, investing in those people and making sure that those people stay within our industry because they love being within our industry. And actually to make that happen, we have to acknowledge everyone is different and wants different things. And we need to set ourselves up to do that. So I wanted just to remind everybody, your FinTech Focus TVs, my DEI podcast, these are the how-tos. These are the toolkits. This is, this is us showcasing the great things that other people are doing in this industry because we want to share that learning. It was Debbie Forster, OBE, who runs Tech Talent Charter. She said to me, fintech and financial technology, it's no longer about everyone keeping their culture closed off and treating it like a trade secret. Instead, it's about collaboration. And I'm a massive, massive 
span of collaboration and, and being able to share the learnings and the teachings. You know, like this week on the DEI discussions, I had the MD of One Signal, Clara Yalmanian, and she was teaching us about the gender split in investing and what we can do to educate ourselves and one another. There were some real key takeaways that will change the culture of any business if you listen to that podcast. The next pod that was released this week was with Osgan Unel of UBS. And having been in the industry for 25 years, she's taught us about how she's working tirelessly for inclusion in the banking space through education, training, mentor programs, parental buddy systems, apprenticeships, social mobility schemes, and so much more. But, you know, her 20 minute podcast, that is a toolkit of how we can really, really start to upskill ourselves. So I wanted to remind people that execution is so, so important, but often we have really good strategies that we're not quite sure how to turn into action and how to execute. And I think that it's really, really important for us to highlight that that's what our FinTech Focus TV is about. That's what our podcasts are about, to really help that learning. Yeah, look, you know, very, very similar theme from the FinTech Focuses that were released this week. There were two this week, one from Task Guys with Harry Scholar and the other one with the guys over at Comsize. And, and both of them were following their inclusions in the top 1% workplace awards that we ran at the back end of last year. These are companies who are really thinking about their talent execution. Both of them have been growing. Love the Comsize one where we're talking about, you know, we had the CEO of Euronet Solutions over in India. So Amrish was talking about running a global team and, and you know, how they've managed that and kept the, the DNA and the culture alive across you know, basically the US, Europe and India. And it was really, really interesting just to hear their take on that. And I think there's so much you can take away and learn from what they're talking about. It was a playbook in how to do things right, in my opinion, in, gro- in growing a business. Very, very articulate from both of them. Really interesting to have that sort of view from India and how they were t- how they're moving things further forward. Harry, over at Task Guys as well, really interesting. Task Guys is a really interesting business and it's a... Uh, so I love the, the, the catchphrase that, that Phil used on a FinTech Focus a couple of years ago where he talked about the business now nearly becoming inevitable. And I've taken a lot of thought around that inevitability of your, of your product. But that's through people. And Harry's a classic example of someone who's come in there and developed organically through the business. Uh, and Task Guys are very, very good at building a leadership team organically and, and creating that entrepreneurialistic backed. You know, it's not always just about taking people from other places. It's about how you can grow your talent internally. Those are two businesses there who haven't just built cultures by accident. They've designed, they've thought about it very, very clearly expressed, very, very articulately uh, delivered. And they've done incredibly well in growing their businesses because of a, of a focus on execution in their talent, talent strategies. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we've got to remind everybody that right now in the world of financial technology, because so many people are hiring, so many people are putting out offers, and I've never seen the amount of offers that I'm seeing right now that aren't actually getting accepted because people aren't executing on, on exactly what their people strategy looks like and what their talent attraction strategy looks like. So what I wanted to really highlight was three points from the winners and the winners in this the businesses that when they're putting their offers out, their offers are getting accepted. Other application processes are getting cancelled. Their time has been really, really used well. And I think that the points of consideration in growth strategy execution, if I was to choose three from what I've seen this week, would be clear criteria that has been stress tested and true to your values. And what I mean by that is that is explained and that is really, really clear within any interview process. 
So the person leaving your interview process, they know what your criteria is. They know what you're hiring for. They truly understand what the opportunity is and where it can take them. Again, my favorite phrase of yours, Toby, common sense isn't often common practice. And this again is something that I'm, I'm remembering when I talk through these. The second one, I think the winners are the ones with a timely process. And actually the, the winners are not only focusing on a timely interview process, but they're willing to be flexible on that process for the right person. So this week I've seen businesses interview somebody on a Monday morning and actually have the offer out by the Monday night because between them they have discussed how they can actually have the three stages in one day. These are the sorts of things that you don't need to curb the quality of your interview process, but you can be flexible with the speed and the time of it. The winners are, are really showcasing that they can be flexible there. And then the final one that I've, I've really noticed is we have moved away now from the world of, of panel style interviews where the interviewee is made to feel like, are they good enough for this business? So I call this a marriage, not a panel. You know, it is, it's a, it's a relationship. It's having, it's having both sides being able to ask questions of one another. It's finding that partnership because realistically, whoever's new to your business, they're going to be part of your family. Now you're going to be working together for, for however many years to come. That is an equal sided relationship. That whole power balance that we used to have that was all skewed a few years ago. That's not how it is now. It's much, much more balanced. And I think that those that understand that are therefore speaking a lot more about their EVP. They're talking about their grander talent strategy. They're talking about their bigger people strategy and what that can turn into for the individual and what it means to the individual. So those are my key learns for this week. And I wanted to share that with everybody because I can just imagine the people listening, these will be their pain points at the moment. And we're here to try and offer some solutions. Speaking of this week, Nads, tell me what the most exciting thing that's happened this year is so far. So I have been thinking about that and I actually would say there's a particular asset manager that I have been in talks with for a number of months who are super, super keen to partner with us because of our work within the diversity space and because of, in particular, what we've been doing for gender equality within the space. And I'm super excited about that because everyone knows my phrase always is, let's walk the talk. And I think there's a lot of businesses out there that are really willing to talk about diversity and inclusion, but will they, and I, I like saying, will you put your money where your mouth is? Are you actually going to give a chance to the candidates that we have represented here, the people with potential, the women that we've reached that were previously underreached? And this asset manager, I just started to do that. And I'm super, super excited about it. That's very good. But there was also something else exciting that happened this week. <laughs> So the book has been published. I've got to say, I'm going to jump in on this because I know you're going to be very coy about it and everything like that. But in the Harrington Star HQ, a box arrived. And one thing, I love an unpacking video. And unfortunately, we didn't manage to catch it because it was too exciting to, to get through that. But a box arrived containing the shiny new book by the JK Rowling of FinTech. Nadia Edwards Dashti is a published official author and you can get the book on where else can you get it amazon amazon waterstones wh smith brownings basically all the bookstores yeah i, I can't tell you that the sort of feeling of of pride i had of seeing you, you know, have that book and get you know having it in your hands and actually picking it up and looking through it and flicking through the pages 
it is phenomenal. I've spoken to so many people about this. I've spoken to some clients. Yesterday, I was speaking to a female founder who we're having on the show, show soon, and she was talking about the work they've been doing with uh, you know, diversity and, and absolutely blown away by the fact that you've taken this project on. And, and you know, I've got to say as well, this has all been done over the last two years, This you know, writing a book from scratch at a time where we had a pandemic. You're working you know, pretty much for, you know, well, full-time. You had two babies and you wrote a book that's set to be a uh, Sunday Times bestseller, I'm sure, if it's not, there's something broken in the world. It, it was just such an amazing, incredible thing. I can't wait for the launch on March the 15th. Where we've got an event to, uh, to, you know, to really uh, see, it, see it out. But what an incredible thing. And Nadia, full respect, kudos for you. If you're listening to this thing, you like the podcast, you're interested in diversity, inclusion and fintech, you're interested in being better, you're interested in how we can... Uh, move yeah you know, sh- shift the needle move everything further forward then this book is for you i it is i've you know had the privilege of uh, reading a couple of the chapters so, so far it is absolutely brilliant and again it's all set and in, in, in line with your core values of making sure that that change happens and you're walking the talk so it's if i do the emoji of the fingers pointing up and two hands going like that, up, up and down like that then i couldn't give you uh, more praise and, and kudos for it congratulations and well done you are a published author so a really exciting thing about the, the book launch itself is that it's going to be held in the Schroeder's offices, uh, number one London wall on the 15th of March. Please contact me if you'd like to attend in person, but we will be sending out virtual invites as well. The really, really exciting thing about the event is that I've, I've invited four people to talk on a panel about what Walk the Talk really means to them. And I'm super excited about the different people that will be joining us. Number one, we're going to have Jenny Trice, who is the CEO of the company Get With The Program. She goes to schools and teaches children about coding. The work that she's done is so phenomenal, and I cannot wait for her to tell people exactly how it started, how it's going, and how you can get involved. Another person I've invited on the panel is Dr. Simon Schofield, CIO of Columbia Threadneedle. He is also an ambassador for Tech Up Women. Tech Up Women is a business that was started by Dr. Sue Black of Durham University, where she trains 100 women from deprived backgrounds into technology. And we have got to work better with her to give those women more opportunities within this space. So I think another person in the panel that would be great for people to learn from and to perhaps partner with. I've also invited Mary Agbasenwa, who works for Seckel Fintech Technologies. And what Mary's done in her career has not only been an award-winning powerhouse at PwC for the past 15 years, but she's also built a community for women and in particular talks to black women about the fintech space and how this space is welcoming to them and has got huge opportunities for them. So inclusion is incredibly, incredibly important to her work and the community that she's built is awe-inspiring. So I think it will be a great, great story for us all to be able to learn from her on how she's done that, the, the issues that we must consider and how we can support that community and build our own communities off the back of it. And the fourth person speaking is Emmanuel Mathy of Schroders itself. So Emmanuel is the co-CRO and she won the Harrington Star Awards for the best DEI committee for their LGBTQ plus shout program. And there were so many tangible things 
that they do within Schroders to build out that community. So many things that we can all learn from. So I wanted her to speak about that so that the people logging in virtually, the people attending face-to-face, -face, we can walk away thinking, right, I now know what I can do to build a better community, build a better committee, partner with a company that goes to schools and partner with a business that helps women pivot their careers into technology. What more walk the talk can we be doing? So I'm super excited about that lineup. Sounds like a cracking lineup. I can't wait for the event. It's going to be, going to be absolutely brilliant. Final thing to, uh, to, to round up from my side, and we'll talk about this in detail next week, is today is the uh, roundup day where we are putting together the final listing and reaching out over the next couple of days to the people who will be included in the 2022 Most Influential Financial Technology Companies listing in the Financial Technologist magazine. So another one of the Harrington Star values is excellence. The companies who are on that list will all be committed to excellence. Uh, we've had a, a stellar panel of judges who've been putting through their, their tips and the people who they think are going to stand out this year, including EY, Beringa, Illuminate Financial, a whole host of different names who've come up with the, the companies who have really shift the needle. And we're going to be looking for all the evidence in that. You'll be seeing a lot of them on FinTech Focus TV in the coming weeks. We'll be talking about the, uh, the lessons and the things we can learn from those businesses and just how they position themselves to be stand out in the year ahead. So tune in next week to find out a little bit about those, why those companies are there, the common themes, the common areas what's hot and what's happening within it. Nadia, anything else from you? Just that that is going to be such a phenomenal magazine. I've been talking to so many businesses who will be within that list. And, and anyone that you think should be in that list, please contact Toby or myself so that we can make sure that they're not overlooked. Because this is about industry collaboration and making sure that we can learn from one another. So yeah, keep us in mind. Thank you very much for listening and coming back time and time again to listen to our podcast. We love doing it. The numbers are improving and increasing every single week, which we are thrilled about. Uh, listen to all over the world, which is so cool. And we really thank you for, for sharing the pod, for rating it, for reviewing it, for giving us the ideas and the inspiration to, uh, to keep on moving it further forward. As always, if there is anything we can do to give you more information that would be helpful for you, your careers, your companies, your growth, then please do it and we'll endeavour to weave it into the show's fabric in the, in the coming weeks as well. Rating and reviewing means an awful lot to us. It allows us to spread the pod and pass it even further all over the world. So thank you very much in advance for doing that. It's been my great pleasure. We'll see you next week and it's a goodbye from me. Thank you. Bye.